Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Peak Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Furman's secrets of WCW Nitro. New two out of three falls here on the Cruise Control Podcast. My man Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report on Twitter at WrestleRant. Graham, my man, how you doing? What's going on, Randy? Doing great. Always happy to be back here on the show. Breaking down Raw, SmackDown, all the latest on the road to the Royal Rumble next weekend. That's right. And me and you are not asking for our release. <laughs> you know, actually, I did ask for my release the other day, but then I found out I wasn't part of the roster. So that was kind of part of the, <laughs> that was part of the problem. Yeah, man. I, I, me and you have to renegotiate Mark Ramondi's contract, though. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Mark, Mark I don't know. We're going to negotiate that contract. He may be all elite wrestling he bound. Might. That's what the rumors are saying. That's what the dirt Damn. sheets are saying right now. Damn. Or oh, I might, I might, I might have to freeze his contract. You know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and keep him under contract to uh, exactly. two out of three falls until his uh, contract <laughs> expires five years from now. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Randy J Cruz R E N D Y the letter J. C-R-U-Z. You can always find Graham Matthews on Twitter at WrestleRant. The podcast is on both SoundCloud and iTunes. SoundCloud.com slash Cruise Control Podcast. Download, rate, comment, subscribe on iTunes. And if you're a big mega fan out there of the show, you can buy the two out of three falls podcast t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruise control graham a lot of shit happening a lot of changes royal rumble we got new championship matches um we have uh new champions but i think you know what's going on in the last couple of days you know rumors are flying by that certain performers in the wwe are asking for their release um don't know where they want to go but that's the rumor that's out there and i think it's quite a few that i that i've read going from people like Dolph Ziggler and Mike Kanellis and The Revival and with this whole AEW stuff uh, ramping up, uh, uh, there are maybe some rumblings that a lot of people within the company want to leave and go somewhere else. Um, what do you take to those rumors? Do you find it to be somewhat true, have any merit? And um, with the people, with the quote-unquote people that are asking for their release, do you think do you think those should be the people to leave, or do you think other people should be uh, asking to to be let go as well? Yeah, I'm sure there's some merit to the rumors. Um, I would have to assume so. I mean, as of this recording, nothing nothing has been made official. I should note that. But the more we go along, I mean, the rumors first surfaced. Um, I think early Wednesday with the revival having reportedly requested their release from WWE, or at least having, I think the report was, it had specified, I think it was from Fightful.com to uh, cite sources here. I believe they had said that WWE was fearing that the revival might leave WWE mm. um, based off of recent events. Maybe something occurred at the Raw taping on Monday. Maybe 
Um, it was because I think it was Dash Wilder or Scott Dawson, one of the two members of the revival, had recently filed for the FDR trademark, which was on the back of their trunks and gear mm. on Monday's Raw, which I thought was interesting. And that whole hashtag actually um, originated on the Being the Elite show with Cody and the Young Bucks. And uh, to go back a little further here, both the Young Bucks and the Revival tweeted about a month, month and a half ago. They said a match with the Revival slash the Young Bucks, a match pitting you know both teams against each other, will happen someday. Remember this tweet was what the tweet read. Mm. And uh, that match may be coming to fruition sooner rather than later. Maybe that's going to be our main event for the Devil or Nothing show. That's purely fantasy booking. But the Revival wanting to leave WWE would not surprise me in the slightest um, based off their booking. And really, I mean, I think one social media activity says it all. And there's one thing, you know, there's something to be said for someone speaking within character. But at the same time, the revival have been very, what's the word I'm looking for here? Very, uh, very obvious about the fact that they're unhappy with their current spot in WWE. Right. If you can even call it a spot. I mean, these guys have been overlooked now for the better part of a year, year and a half. I know they arrived in the main roster with some fanfare and then injuries got in the way. And that's really nobody. That's not anyone's fault. But then, you know, they've been healthy now for the past year, year and a half and have done nothing of note on the Raw roster, not once holding the Raw tag team titles. And granted, maybe this whole conspiracy storyline that WWE is building up right now with these two is leading to them winning the belts at the Royal Rumble. By this point, it's too little, too late. They've already been damaged. I'm not sure how many people would actually care about seeing them become Raw Tag Team Champions. Um, So I'm sure there is absolutely some merit to them leaving. Um, Among the others that are rumored to be leaving soon are Mike and Maria Kanellis, who, again, should not shock anyone that they would want to leave. Mike has been very vocal about being happy even being employed by WWE on Twitter and whatnot. But at the same time, how happy can it be when the guy only wrestles on TV every few months. I think I've seen him on maybe four episodes of SmackDown um, before. Beyond that, I don't think I've seen him on a single episode of Raw, purely on episodes of 205 Live and Main Event, and that's about it. For a guy that had some buzz when he got hired two years ago, he has been criminally underutilized in WWE. And Maria, too, she's a great talker, even better than Mike. So to see that they would want to leave is... You know, it sucks, but at the same time, it's not surprising. And then there's Dolph Ziggler, who we've talked ad nauseum about here in the show in the past, Randy, about how I wholeheartedly believe that he would be way better off outside of WWE at this stage of his career. You know, he did experience some success in 2018 by winning the Intercontinental title and then the Raw Tag Team Championship. But beyond that, the guy has been spinning his wheels now for the better part of the past five or six years. Ever since he won the world title, had it ripped out right from underneath him, and that was about it. It's been all downhill for the guy since then. Um, I don't know if he's content with where he is in WWE. He's solely doing it for the money. But we've been hearing these rumors about the guy wanting to leave now for the past two years, and nothing's come of it. So, again, I guess we'll soon see where Ziggler you know, kind of plays in all these rumors. Does he want to leave? If he does, could he get released? Could it be a case similar to Neville where all these people want to leave, but they won't get their release from the company, which is very likely just because someone requests their release doesn't mean they're going to be automatically let go. Yeah. Um, it could be a case, 
you know, such as Neville, where they're paid to sit home for like a fucking year. Neville was on the WWE payroll for almost a year before before he was finally let go by the company in September of 2018. And only now he's resurfacing on the American independency. And the guy had last been seen by the U.S. audience in like October of 2017 on an episode of Monday Night Raw. So again, wow. Ziggler, The Revival, Mike and Maria Canellas, whoever else may want to leave WWE, it's very possible they may want to leave, but don't expect to see any of these people at the Double or Nothing show or at any point in the near future, depending on when their contracts expire. But either way, WWE, I would have to assume, is not going to want to let these people go until they are forced to. Yeah, I, I found it very interesting. You know, you know, me and you always follow what's going on, and I think we've seen something back, you know, in the past, maybe last year or the year before, where a guy like Rusev, you know, was voicing his opinion about, you know, not being, you know, utilized right, or he was kind of upset about his direction his creative and you know he's still there you know everybody was saying oh rusev should leave and you know rumor that rusev might leave and you know you know blase blase but i think you know him staying there you know he renegotiated something or he he found happiness with what's going on and like you said just because you 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 want to be released doesn't mean you are going to get granted that so they, they might hold your contract they might freeze your contract until it's over and we have no idea when Ziggler's contract is up as far as I do uh, as far as I know Revival I don't know when that contract is up Mike and Mar Maria Canellis, whoever else I saw mentioned Ty Dillinger all these people I don't know where the contract is up so it, 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 it could be a while maybe just a little frustration going on and maybe they'll just you know maybe if they now with them saying something like hey I'm not happy here I'm not happy with creative, my, my direction, you know, what can we do? What can we do? And we just, you know, we can move forward. But I think, you know, we're at a time where now where AEW is coming up to, to, to the forefront and being like that new WCW where it's like, hey, you know, if you're not happy over there in the WWF, come over here. We have a ring. We got this. We got that. Come over here. We got contracts. We got money. And people started flooding, flooding, flooding to them back in the day. And I think now, even with no TV deal, with no no other event except for the the one in May in, in Vegas, um, they're signing people left and right. People pe people are interested. You know, I think they even signed uh, Jerry Lawler just in case he don't go over there. And there's a, a story about maybe Jim Ross. You know, could he? Be uh, could, could he stay with with McMahon? Could he go to AEW? We, we we don't know that, but they are creating a buzz. They are trying to change the game, but I think with what we see now, I don't I don't think these guys are going to get released. I think maybe the revival was tired of fighting the Lucha House party all the time, which I, <laughs> I you know I can't get mad at that. There's even I I could be I could be totally wrong, but maybe Andrade wasn't happy recently and now he's getting great matches with Rey Mysterio they, they, they cut his name off which is that's what they do but you know I think we're at a point where maybe the, the you know McMahon has too much talent and they just don't know what to do with them and there's so many so little valuable airtime to let them go out there and perform but you know I, I, I don't think they'll get released but if they happen to do 
I think that would be a big buzz for AEW. You get some WWE names to come to the company. You never know a bigger name might leave. So I, I think it could be the start of something in the event they do happen to leave. Yeah, definitely. I mean, then again, AEW can't solely consist of like forgotten mid carters in WWE. Like, True. you can't have a Tyler Breeze Ty Dillinger match yeah. on every AEW show through the remainder of 2019. But at the same time, everyone I mentioned, Dolph Ziggler, The Revival, you know, even to an extent, Mike and Maria Canellis, I'm a big fan of their act. A lot of people aren't or just aren't aware of who they are. I think all the people that I mentioned do have potential to be bigger stars elsewhere. Ziggler has been in the WWE bubble now for the better part of a decade, decade and a half, where I think he'd be a lot like Neville, where he would benefit greatly from going elsewhere. I mean, then again, Neville had, you know, indie experience before coming to WWE. He was a big name on the indies well before he ever signed with NXT. Ziggler never really has been on the independent scene before. Then again, neither was Cody. And the guy went on to win gold and New Japan, Ring of Honor, NWA, and the list goes on and on. So I think Ziggler would kind of follow in the footsteps of Cody if he wanted to continue pursuing wrestling. I would imagine maybe he wants to do the comedy thing or do acting. It's not, you know, if he leaves WWE tomorrow, he would be AEW bound. There's a chance, especially if they give him the right offer and offer him the you know, right amount of money, the thing, you know, that would justify him signing on for the project. But, you know, there's certainly a possibility of that happening. The revival, I mean, what more can be said about them that hasn't already been said that I talked about earlier in terms of them being held down by the WWE system? They're clearly just not that they're not a good fit for the main roster, but Vince does not see what everyone else has seen in the revival really from the get go. They never had any big plans to push the revival, so maybe they would be better off elsewhere. Mike and Maria Canellis were way bigger stars over at Impact, Ring of Honor. Maybe they were bigger stars, like bigger fishes in a smaller pond. Maybe it was that type of thing. But even still, the guy has barely been on the company's two main shows, Raw and SmackDown, since he got hired two years ago. So he might as well leave, too. But either way, it's a very interesting time to be a fan right now. Um, with AEW becoming a thing. And, and really, every company wanted to lock down talent to long-term contracts. Like you said, I think you might have mentioned it, Randy. Um, Jerry Lawler recently re-signed with WWE. Yeah. You know for a fact they do not want to let him go off to AEW and make money elsewhere. Jim Ross, you know, I know his contract comes due in mm-hmm. about a month or two. I don't really think they care about holding on to Jim Ross. And I tweeted about this earlier today, but you have not really seen much of JR on WWE TV for the last year. For whatever reason, I couldn't tell you. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they could have very easily had JR come in for NXT UK, be the commentator for that show, or do the second May Young Classic or another NXT TakeOver. We haven't seen him on any WWE broadcast at all. And I think it's because the company realizes they don't really need Jim Ross. I'm not really sure why they brought him back in the first place. I'm a big JR fan. I'm not disputing mm-hmm. that he's, you know, that he's not one of the greatest of all time because he is. But, you know, he's the guy that if you listen to his commentary in New Japan, he really was just he has not been that good for years now. Um, for whatever reason, he might be better off in a backstage role for WWE, or rather for AEW, a lot like Billy Gunn is. Like I have no desire to see Billy Gunn on the AEW active roster, but <laughs> in a backstage role, the guy could be a lot of a lot of value considering he has experience training talent in NXT. So I'm sure they would bring him in, but 
Yeah, all the departures right now, I think a lot of talent within WWE knows that there are other options out there to not only make money, but to be utilized at the level they deserve to be utilized at. So guys like Ziggler, The Revival, The Canalises, maybe even a guy like Apollo Crews. You mentioned Andrade, Randy. You can't tell me that it's a coincidence that the reports come out that, oh, he's unhappy. Then literally the very next week, the guy starts to get pushed. Like, that's no coincidence. Finn Balor, same thing. We'll get to that soon enough. Mm-hmm. I 100% believe that I know it's been rumored for a while now that he may be pe- that he may be pushed in the near future, but there is no way that only now did Vince McMahon wake up one day and said, "Hey, I want to push Finn Balor." Like, where has this push yeah. been for the last two years? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they don't want him to go to AEW. That's why they're pushing Sasha Banks. You know, they're trying to push the revival on Trades and Alamos. It's because they don't want these people to leave, mm-hmm. and once they resign. Who knows? Like Rusev, you mentioned it before, Randy. I think there's a very good chance that Rusev would have left when he had the chance about a year or two ago. There's been reports about Rusev wanting to leave for years now. I, re- I remember around SummerSlam 2017, there were rumors that he wanted to quit. And then he got squashed by Randy Orton like 10 seconds at SummerSlam that year. Mm-hmm. Again, no coincidence. And then after the whole Undertaker casket match thing happened, and oh, yeah. there were rumors he wanted to leave then, and that was why he was bumped from the match and they weren't doing anything with him. I think there was even a report from a pretty credible Twitter account, maybe at you know WrestleVote or whatever, a, an account that's broken news in the past. They even said something on Wednesday amidst all these rumors that there was a mid-carder in WWE that actually requested their release about a year ago in mid-2018, and it wasn't granted. And honestly, I 100% believe it was Rusev. And now the guy's United States champion probably because they don't want the guy to leave. And they do these things for a reason. So um, it'll be interesting to see where a lot of these guys end up. I would not be shocked to see Ziggler resurface on Monday's Raw and get another big push just to convince the guy to stay. But at this point, I think a lot of these guys would be better off in other companies. Yeah, Vince is probably like to to Finn, like, hey, pal, you want to fight Brock Lesnar? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, shit, yeah, fine, I'll do it. And where was the match a year ago? Exactly. Uh, I mean, I mean, first of all, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm disappointed. You don't want to see Mr. Ass in a AEW. Oh God, I'll pass. I'll pass, <laughs> Mr. Ass. Sorry. Um, you mentioned like like credible Twitter uh, feeds and Twitter names, and yeah, I think you mentioned Wrestle Wrestle Vote. There is. I don't follow them, but I, people who I follow tend to retweet certain things. So. Um, the one that came up today, you probably seen is called Slice Wrestling. Yeah, they're not too credible in my opinion. Okay. At least from what I've seen, they either copy reports <laughs> from other websites that also aren't credible, or they just tend to make up shit that's like pretty obvious. Like, oh, the Undertaker might be retiring this year. Like, no oh, shit, yeah, he might yeah. be retiring. He, 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 he might have been retiring for the past like ten years now. So. I don't follow them just because they're not on the on the credible side, at least from what I've seen anyway. But okay, let let's play the hypothetical game because two things that I'm I'm scrolling through and I and I came across. One you mentioned uh, Jim Ross. So according to them, this is the only rumor. Don't this this is the Bible, but it's saying that Jim Ross is awaiting his contract to be up with the WWE in order to go to AEW. So you you, you take it for what it's worth. You, 
you know that might happen. That, that may not happen. But I think if if they sign Jerry Lawler, they they could do everything they can to sign Jim Ross. But again, you know, do they need Jerry Lawler? Do they need Jim Ross? I I, I love both. Um, but maybe at this point in time, in 2019, they may feel like they don't need them anymore, which is very unfortunate. So that's one thing. The other thing I, I saw that I think we spoke about last week about the, the the TV deal or TV deals that could be on the table for AEW in order to change the game um, with this current climate of wrestling. You need a television deal, a, a, a significant TV did. I know Pop TV or a channel that I can't find at home. So, according to Slice, again, you take it how you want it, that the latest with the negotiations is that AEW, I'm putting in quotes, but it's extremely close to signing a TV deal with Turner and to have AEW programming on TBS Tuesday nights. So, again, hypothetically, let's let's have fun. If AEW is on Tuesday nights on TBS and, and no head-to-head competition like, like like Nitro was, how would that play out? How would that fare? You know, would that be good? Would that be great? Would it be just or would do you need AEW to have a show, a weekly show, directly up against Raw and SmackDown every Friday or every Monday as opposed to Tuesday nights? I think that would be dumb to have them run up against Raw or SmackDown because, again, it might be a better product. You can't beat what's established in Raw and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So to have them run up against either show would be extremely stupid. But Nitro that did be, it, Graham. Nitro be, did it. Sorry, go ahead, Randy. I'm saying, but Nitro did it the same thing. They say, hey, you, 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 you're you probably bugging out. Again, this, this is 1995. But again, people probably thought Bishop was crazy to go up against McMahon and the World Wrestling Federation. You know, they've been around for so long, you know, but they took a chance and it worked. I'm not saying that's going to happen now, but if you want to change the game, Graham, if you want to get the new casual fans who have, who have not been watching wrestling for so long because they got older, they phased out, their favorites have all retired. I think if you're trying to get a new fan base who are not watching Raw, SmackDown, or Ring of Honor, Lucha Libre, New Japan, in order to watch your new AEW product, you got to get more people who who are not watching it as opposed to the regulars who watch everything all at the same time. So if they if they got if, if they're going to change the game of how you watch wrestling and how I watch wrestling where I don't have to watch Raw, I can watch something else. I'm not saying they have to go head to head, but they got to do something you know, along those terms to really, you know, get a new, a new audience and, and a new fan base. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, they can't, I mean, and Cody has said this before, they're not trying to compete with the WWE, nor should they, you mm-hmm. can't compete with the WWE. They're obviously competition in WWE. I'm not like, I'm not denying that, but in terms of right. trying to steal their fans away, like someone like me, I'm not going to stop watching WWE for AEW, but I will watch AEW in addition to WWE. Okay. And honestly, if I had an option, I'd probably go with what I know, that being Raw and SmackDown. So, like, I won't watch AEW over those two shows, but I know that's just me. There's a lot of people that are so sick of the product that are going to watch AEW, but is that the vast majority is the question. Now, I know it worked for Nitro and WCW back in 95, but WCW was already established. I mean, WCW, NWA had already been an entity for years and years and years. 
no one knows anything about AEW. I know there's a lot of people on the roster we may know, and there's a lot of interest surrounding what they may do. But I think in the long run, having them go up against Raw or SmackDown straight from the get-go would be a dumb idea. Maybe at some point down the road, but mm-hmm. I just, every time I hear that, I think of TNA circa 2010 when they ran Mondays up against Raw. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it worked for like a week or two. <laughs> they brought in fucking star after star after, after, after star. Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff, Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle. AJ Styles. You look at the star-studded roster they had at that point. Rob Van Dam, Ric Flair, all these guys. Yeah, popped the rating for a night. And then they fucking fizzled out within a month, and they had to crawl back to Thursdays in embarrassing fashion. So, again, I think it's one thing to, to generate buzz, but to try to go up against WWE like TNA did, I think would be a massive mistake. I don't think Cody would be that dumb to do that. That being said, if the Tuesday thing does happen, which I haven't heard TBS. I've heard stuff about Turner. I don't know about TBS. I've heard TNT as a possibility, Mm -hmm. regardless. Because the first question that many people are going to ask, you know, after Double or Nothing, I don't think a TV deal is going to happen at any point in the foreseeable future. It may not happen until the summer or even a little later on in 2019. That being said... The first question that's going to be asked is what day do they air their weekly television show? In my opinion, I think Tuesdays are perfect because Fridays are death. I don't know why Impact is on Fridays. That's a really dumb idea. And SmackDown coming up. And SmackDown, I don't I mean, obviously they signed with Fox, so I would hope they know what they're what they're doing with that. I think that's stupid. I know SmackDown did Fridays for a long time back in the mid 2000s Mm-hmm. Of course, I was a fan of it then because I was in middle school and I can stay home and watch the show. But as an adult, I realize how dumb of a, how dumb of an idea it is. <laughs> I don't think anyone really. I mean, again, it's different for kids, but I don't know how many adults are going to want to sit home and watch SmackDown over wanting to go out or watch something else or whatever. I just think that's a dumb idea. But again, we'll see what happens. It's live. I mean, back in the day, it was taped, so True. it was a little different. Um, I think it's still going to be live. I That's what I've heard anyway. But going back to what I was originally saying, I think Tuesdays would be good if SmackDown goes to Fridays, which it is starting in October. And then AEW kind of occupies the um, that night on Tuesday nights. Wednesdays would be fine, but I mean, NXT isn't really that much of a threat. It airs on the network. And then there's Thursdays. Tuesdays, I think, is a good night for it. Tuesdays or Thursdays, if SmackDown is indeed going to Friday, so that's what I would do, 8 o'clock prime time. But as we said earlier, as you mentioned, Randy, as mm-hmm. we talked about last week, if AEW does not have a legitimate uh, prime time television deal, then none of this is even going to matter. But I have a suspicion they probably do. Otherwise, Jericho and guys like that would not have signed on to do it. Yeah, I, I think I think it's the perfect fit. If it is TNT, TBS, I don't... You know, I'm I'm not a TV wizard like that, but you know, for 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 someone to air wrestling, I just think TNT and Turner is just synonymous with that. Um, you got Fox already, you got USA. They're not going NBC. They're not going CBS. They're not going ESPN. They're not going ABC. They're not going uh, you know anywhere C CW and Sci Fi. They're not gonna. I think. If that report is true, or the rumor is true, or if it happens to be Tuesday, that I think that's cool. Uh, TBS will be dope, I think, because 
again, man, I think Turner is just so synonymous and maybe they they they, they might want to get back into it because it's been so long. I think since one so it'll be 18 years since wrestling has been on that network um i think i think it'll be different it'll be cool but you know for me for them to change the game um i'm i'm still i'm still the jury is still out to see you know what else can they do like you know code even said you know what i'll ask you now graham he said they're not gonna hire writers they get the 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 performers are the writers so I'm gonna ask you that: Is that a bad idea? Is that a, a good idea? A very innovative idea? Because you know when you know the wrestlers have you know f- full control or or the book, they can pick out who they want to win and how to finish and all the other stuff. But if you're gonna have these young guys come in and be the be the quote unquote writers of what's going on and and who goes over, is that a bad idea on the part of AEW? You know, I we'll see. We'll see. I have faith that they know what they're doing just because, I mean, Cody knows. He's been within the WWE system before when it comes to them hiring riders. Mm-hmm. It's something different. You know, they're not, you know, this is what I appreciate. It doesn't seem like they're following the, the, the you know, the standard blueprint of what every other startup wrestling company would do by hiring writers or competing with WWE and taking their talent and blah, 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 and taking shots at them. It seems like they're taking a different approach. At least they're saying all the right things. Whether they actually follow unsaid things remains to be seen. But when it comes to a lack of creative writers, I don't think that's a bad idea. I mean, obviously, Cody, it's not like he's saying, oh, we're going to have the wrestlers, you know, control, (laughs) have creative control. Like, that would be beyond stupid. But um, I think, you know, I'm not sure who would be in charge then. Would it be... You know, Billy Gunn as a producer, or would it be Cody or the Young Bucks? I have no clue, but it's different. You know, maybe one or two people in charge, but that's about it. I don't think you need a, you know, uh, even a core group of writers. If they feel they don't need it, then why even bother bringing them in? So I think that's a good idea, at least from the get-go. Again, they're trying to be different from WWE, and that's exactly what they need to do. Not compete with them, not be WWE light. They need to be the exact, not do everything differently. Like TNA went a little too far in doing the six-sided ring, which was it was cool for a while, and then it yeah. just looked dumb. Like that's just <laughs> being different for the sake of being different. That's like going out and dyeing your hair purple just because you want to be that fucking guy that wants to be different from everyone else. It doesn't look like AEW is doing that, but they're also not blending in with the monotony that is WWE. So I, I like that idea. We'll see if it works. Um, but for right now, I, you know, it has promise, so I'll give it a shot. Hey, man, you got Road Dog on SmackDown. You got Mr. Ass, AEW. Got a, you might have a new uh, New Age Outlaw feud. <laughs> new Age Outlaw feud. Good God, I hope not. Um, you mentioned Finn Balor. He's now in the main event at the Royal Rumble. Uh, for the Universal title. It's now Vin, Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar. Last week, me and you were talking about Brock and Braun and that promo, and uh, it could be a lot of things of why Braun Strowman is no longer in the title match. Uh, it could be the injury is still uh, affecting him. I'm really trying to find other reasons why. and it, 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 It's similar to what they did when Brock was supposed to fight Jinder and then they switched it and they plugged in AJ. Then 
it was on track for Brock AJ Part 2, and then at the last minute, it became Brock and Daniel Bryan. Now, at the last minute, it's Brock and Finn Balor. Can you try to explain for what you know, what you've seen, what you heard of why they made the switch from Braun Strowman and, and Brock to Finn Balor and Brock, why Finn is getting this push. I don't think he'll win at the Rumble. Um, also read that Brock likes to wrestle these kind of guys, like a Finn, like a Daniel Bryan, like an AJ Styles. I think he, he has a better chemistry with those guys. Plus, we, me and you already seen Braun and Brock before, and I don't think Braun was going to win anyway at the Rumble, so why do that again? Try to summarize why we are not having Braun and Brock, but we are getting Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. I had read a report that this was the plan the entire time to plug Balor in there. I don't know how far that plan goes. I have yeah. no, I'm like, I'm not doubting that. Like, okay, they've been planning this from the get go. Like they obviously changed plans at one point, but I have a very hard time believing that Balor was plugged into that spot from the very get go because they booked the Braun and Brock match back at Crown Jewel in a way that would make you think, okay, Braun will be in chase mode. And then they had Braun become the number one contender. So clearly at one point they thought they would do Brock and Braun. Apparently the idea, according to either Dave Meltzer, I think it was Meltzer who said it, was that Vince was like, oh shit, I don't want to have Braun get beat again because Brock's winning, which I said months ago. Brock's yeah. not losing the belt to Braun Strowman of the Rumble. That just seems dumb. Otherwise, why would you have put the belt on him to begin with? Why not just have Braun beat Brock at Crown Jewel? That would have been beyond stupid. So it's been evident for a while that Brock would beat Braun. Apparently, Vince came to the realization that Braun would lose. We don't want to make him look weak, so we'll take him out and put Balor in there instead. Now, I don't want to complain because I like Balor in that spot a hell of a lot more than Braun because the pay-per-view is really sold on the Rumble matches. That being said, the overall card as of now looks amazing on paper. I know we've seen AJ and Brian before, but they had one of the best pay-per-view matches of 2018 at TLC. So that's going to be great. And now we have Balor and Brock, which if booked the right way and not like a fucking five-minute squash, that could be a lot of fun too as a first-time ever encounter. So that being said, um, with Braun being pulled from the match, I don't know what the mindset is there. I don't know what the rationale is there just because, oh, I, we don't want to make Braun look weak. The guy's been made to look like a loser for the better part of the last year and a half. Every single time, whenever the, the stakes are high and it's time for him to win the big one, he always comes up short. Yeah. Whether it was, you know, SummerSlam 2017, No Mercy 2017, the fucking Royal Rumble a year ago when he went for the belt against uh, Brock and Kane, I think it was in that three-way. Um, that time, he cashed in Money in the Bank. He lost. He failed to win at Super Showdown. He failed to get the belt from Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel. Mm, the man. guy always loses. He's a loser. <laughs> so at this point, for them to think, okay, you know, we don't want to do any more damage to him. Dude, the damage has been done. They can't they, – he can bounce back. He's not damaged goods. It's not like he's past the point of no return. But the mindset that, okay, we don't want to – you know, hinder his momentum. What momentum? Braun Strowman has zero momentum. They've turned the guy face and heel so many times to the point where I don't care. Even the limousine, even the limousine thing on Raw where he tipped it over, was tame compared to every other stunt this guy's done on this show. Mm -hmm. He just does not feel as hot as he once did, and that is 
largely due to WWE watering and cooling him down to a great extent. So again, I think putting Balor in there was the right move. But then why even bother promoting Brock and Braun in the first place? We could have had weeks of build for Brock and Balor instead of the Rumble had they not wasted their time with the Brock and Braun stuff. Like last week's promo, which was a total train wreck, that didn't need to happen. It, it, It didn't need to happen. So again... I don't know what's going on here. I don't know where Braun goes from here. I honestly have no clue because I don't see him winning the belt. I don't see him being involved in that title match at WrestleMania. Maybe he faces Drew McIntyre in a non-title match. I don't know why anyone would care about that if there's not a championship on the line. But at this point, I, I'm just not all that optimistic about Braun's immediate future in, in WWE. I, I think, Grant, I think it has to uh, – for me, it, it, it has to be the injury – Maybe he's not fully ready. Maybe because um, even when the even when the promo happened last week, and Brock would just came out there and he walked around the ring and Braun's calling him out and he just stood there and Brock walked around left like there was no physical altercation. Maybe they thought he was on track and apparently he's not. I mean, could it be the promo? Could it be really that one promo? McMahon was like, "Oh man, I can't have this. I can't have him do this again." and you know, we put him out there with, with a live mic, and he did. He, he didn't really, you know, do what he said. Do what he was supposed to do, and maybe fanfare did not want to see Brock and Braun again. But like you said, you know, why promote it if you're gonna change it two weeks out? And then you, you know, he does the the limo thing. He breaks it. McMahon says you're not gonna be in the title match. And then he does the the, the flip. With the limo, then it does uh, all that. Then I'm like, dude, like, you know, that shit did not make any sense. So like, he just told you you're not in the world title picture, and you want to flip a, a limo and do all that. Then you get you know escorted out, out the building. I think the way they did it was a little confusing, and um, and now you get, now you have Finn in the match, and I'm pretty sure a lot of fans are happy about that. This is the match that they all wanted for quite some time, and they are gonna get it. I just think. You know, Grant, uh, I I like Finn Balor, but if you tell me if Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar were outside my, my building in the street, ready ready to fight, and I see that, who do you think is gonna win, Graham, in a real fight, Brock Lesnar or Finn Balor? Mm, I'd go with Brock, honestly. I know Braun's got size, but I'd go with Brock. No, Brock and Finn Balor, the real fight, who you have. Oh, Brock Lesnar, of and course. That's my no point. question. Yeah. That's my point. So now you mean to tell me, again, wrestling is about trying to put a little sense of realism. Can this guy beat this guy? But I know they did it with, with AJ and Daniel Bryan, with Brock, and I think he, he had better matches with them than he has with like the Canes and the Braun Strowmans of the world. But automatically... You, as a casual fan, can turn the rumble on, see Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar in the same ring, and you're like, oh, this guy Brock, Brock is going to fucking destroy him. Does Finn Balor have any chance? Now, if they have more time to build that David Goliath kind of storyline and really make the fans at home really be behind Finn Balor, emotionally invested in him and say, you know what? This Finn Balor got, you know, I know he's small, but he got heart. He got speed, agility. He might take down the beast. But I think even with then, you, we all know right now today Brock is now losing at the Rumble, which makes you think, 
why put Finn Balor at the at, in, you know in in this Rumble match anyway? Who's gonna who, now? Who's gonna win the Rumble? Is Braun Strowman gonna be in the Rumble? Can he win the Rumble? Um, who's gonna main event uh, with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? So this this domino effect, you know, it, it just you know it don't it don't affect Raw and and and, and the Rumble. It affects Chamber, the Fast Lane pay per view, the WrestleMania. I mean, I, I don't know. It's cool on paper, Finn and Brock. Hey, let's do it. But mind you, the Rumble is is in a stadium. So uh, do do they feel like Finn could sell more tickets than Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar? I have no idea, Graham. I think it was very... But then again, I give them credit for doing something different on the fly, spontaneous. I give them that. It's just... It makes you wonder, hey, like, did Braun do something wrong backstage? You know, did he piss somebody off or maybe he just still hurt? Yeah, I don't know. I think it could be the injury as well. I was thinking the same thing, but I mean, he might not be cleared. I think whether he's in the rumble is going to be the real telltale sign in terms of whether that was the reason or not. Because if he wrestles in the rumble match, then that's bullshit. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They, they probably should not have promoted the match that they didn't know was going to happen or not. I know when Braun went under the knife for surgery two months ago, the idea was that he'd be back in time for fucking TLC. That was a month ago, and he's apparently still not cleared. But then again, he got pretty physical on Monday's Raw, and he had an elbow issue. So if he couldn't pick anything up or whatever, I don't think we would have seen him get as physical as he was on Monday's Raw. So I get the feeling that he's cleared. We won't know until next week or the Rumble or whatever. And like you said, the, the title really is not all that much in jeopardy at all when it comes to Lesnar and, and Balor. But let's be honest, was it really any more in jeopardy when Braun was going to face Brock? I'd say no, just because we've seen him lose to Brock so many fucking times. I just don't care anymore. We know he's not going to beat Brock. He won't. So why go back to that well one too many times? I don't understand that logic at all. Yeah. So at least now, no matter what, the Brock Lesnar match of the Royal Rumble was always going to be a filler. There's no way they would have Brock go this far as champion. I know he dropped the belt at SummerSlam, but there's no way they would put the belt back on him only to have him lose it at the Rumble. That serves no purpose. They're going to have him run with the belt till WrestleMania. So therefore making the Rumble match, wherever he, you know, whoever he defends against at the Rumble, it's a filler match. It's a filler feud. So it doesn't really matter who it is, but if you're going to have a Lesnar defend the belt at the pay-per-view, you might as well make it something entertaining and something we haven't seen before. So you could have put Zack Ryder in there for all I care. At least it's something different. But Mm. at least in this case with Balor, it gives him a shot to go in there, turn some heads backstage, have a good showing in defeat, assuming he's booked to look like somewhat of a threat to Brock in there. Mm. But the whole size thing to me... It doesn't really matter. We, obviously, he's not going to beat Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar has been protected in such a way over the past five, six years that, you know, no jabroni is going to beat him like an AJ or a, a, a Daniel Bryan. Quite honestly, it would make no sense. You know, if a Goldberg can't beat him or a, you know, I mean, he did, but like a, if a John Cena or a Triple H are the only people that can beat Brock and not all these other people, like a Randy Orton or a CM Punk, then a Daniel Bryan or AJ should not be Brock Lesnar. That being said, uh, we've had Punk and Lesnar before. We've had Punk and AJ, Punk and Bryan, and they were among Brock's best matches during his latest run with WWE. So that being said, I have no problem with Brock and Balor. The outcome is predictable, but 
you know what, Brock and Braun would have been no different. So I'll take this first time ever encounter over that, you know, the fifth time's the charm with Brock and Braun any day of the week. Do you think we get regular uh, Fonzie, Finn Balor, or do we get the demon, or it doesn't fucking matter? You know, it would be cool to see the demon. Um, I see a lot of people saying the demon will show up at the Rumble. The big, you know, the the whole thing for a while, though, um, this was never confirmed. I think the idea was was that WWE always wanted to protect the demon, which is why they don't have him, you know, bring back the demon more often. Right. I do agree with not having him be the demon every week, but he was the demon like once in 2018 for a minute at SummerSlam. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a cash cow. You can make so much money off of merchandise for this guy, but they utilize it so rarely. I don't even understand what the point is. Now I know he wrestles no different as the demon than he does as Finn Balor. I get that, but. Mm-hmm. You know, from from an aesthetic standpoint, it's really cool. I think it's an awesome visual. Fans and specifically kids are into it. So why not do it on the big on the big shows like the Rumble or especially WrestleMania? When he didn't do it last year for WrestleMania, I was stunned. I was floored. Like that made no sense. Um, but he did bring it back for SummerSlam. If they want to protect the demon and keep him undefeated, at this point. Who gives a fuck? No one really cares. The demon shows up so rarely anyway. It doesn't matter whether the guy suffers a win or a loss as the demon. He's still Finn Balor. So I'd bring the demon in. Um, we will probably never see this match again. So it's not like, oh, we beat Finn Balor, but not the demon. Like, nobody cares. So, yeah, I would have him bring in the demon, um, make it look like he has a shot of winning, even though he doesn't. Right. And, um, yeah, that's how I would book it. You know what? You, you know, you mentioned earlier how, like, you know, Braun... You know, if he's hurt, why is he picking up a limo? But, we, you know, we both know, Graham, he's not picking up that fucking limo. <laughs> you know, that's nah. it. No, I know, but he did He did a few other things that were pretty physical on Monday's Raw. Clearly, you know, tipping over the limo was not among them. Yeah, and then, like, you know, McMahon looking at him and like, oh, you messed up my limo and $100,000 and whatever, bear. Um... Does this change your, your your prediction for the Rumble? Because now, you know, maybe you probably had Finn Balor, you know, like a Final Four person to, to win the Rumble, but now he's in the, the main event uh, universal title match. We don't know if Braun's going to be in it. So does that change your whole outcome of who might win the Rumble or not? Not really. Um, I'm still going with Rollins. I still think it's going to be Brock and Rollins at WrestleMania. They could do McIntyre, but I don't know if WWE would want to bet on Mm. would want to do a heel versus heel match. I know Brock isn't really a heel. He's, you know, Brock fucking Lesnar doesn't really matter. But at the same time, I think, you know, Rollins makes the most sense. He mentioned Roman again on Monday's Raw. So he is definitely the most logical contender for that title at WrestleMania. And it would be a great match. So Rollins remains my pick to win the Rumble. Um, We have a new Intercontinental Champion, uh, the almighty Bobby Lashley. He won a triple threat match against Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. So um, hopefully we don't see Seth Rollins in the IC title picture going forward. Um, are you shocked that Bobby Lashley uh, won the belt? And th- th- does that does him winning the belt talk about more about how the Dean Ambrose heel stuff could be a failure? Like why would they pull the trigger so quick on Dean losing the belt? Uh, I mean, I'm happy for Lashley, really am. But do you think it's more to just more to that story about maybe they just wasn't feeling 
the heel Dean Ambrose. Well, with the heel Dean Ambrose thing, the guy is going to do fine with or without the Intercontinental Championship. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's had a few decent matches as champion. The rematch with Rollins was good. The original match from TLC sucked. Um, oh, but yeah. the matches he had with Tyler Breeze and then Apollo Crews, they were all good. But Ambrose, in this current character, in this current incarnation of his on-air persona, did not need the Intercontinental title. So I think giving it to Lashley, who needed it more than any of the other three, any of the other two, that being Ambrose and Rollins, um, I thought was a good move. I thought it was a very pleasantly surprising finish. Lashley has largely been a disappointment since coming back last year. But I think a lot of that has to do with the company not booking him the way that he should be booked. If they saw one episode of his impact run over in TNA, they would have realized that the guy is at his best as a dominant monster heel. And he's been heel for a few months now, but he was doing the whole bending over thing and Leo Rush talking during the matches, and it all sucked. None of it worked. But they took a more straightforward approach this week on Raw, and I thought it worked wonderfully. And now he's the heel that he should have been from the get-go. So I like that a lot. And um, that being said, yeah, Lashley in that role, I think is the best thing for the belt and Lashley right now. I know Owens teased uh, going after the gold when he came back from injury on Twitter this past week. I like that idea a lot, considering it was Lashley who put Owens on the shelf in storyline back in October. For Ambrose, I wouldn't call the heel character a failure so far because we haven't seen enough of it. But it is safe to say it has not at all lived up to the lofty expectations of fans. It's been just another character. I would argue Dean Ambrose has been an infinitely better heel over on SmackDown. He has mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park, and he was the last guy that had to go heel, yet he's been doing a better job in that role than anybody. Um, whereas with Dean Ambrose, he should have been heel a while ago. It was long overdue. He finally turned heel. It was an awesome moment. We talked about it here on the show. And then nothing. The follow-up has been atrocious. Mm. So, I mean, he's doing well with what he has now, but the whole vaccinations thing <laughs> and the fans are smelly thing, that really, yeah. really killed a lot of his momentum. I see title or not. So I wouldn't read too much in him dropping the belt after only a month because he never really needed the belt to begin with. Um, I don't know where he goes from here, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think he'll still be a top star no matter what. He's still a star, but the heel run has been far from great up to this point. Um, I thought it was a pretty good match. Um, if you can read between the lines, um, I did not know until I saw it somewhere online or Twitter. You know how th- there's been a back and forth. I mean, real quick, there's been a back a back and forth with Becky and uh, Road Warrior Animal. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's been going on for a while now, yeah. Okay, so now if you you probably did not notice. I did not until I saw you know what? Maybe you know, let me go back and see. But as you know how they, they were talking about Becky's, you know, the man and the road warrior animal was like, you know, she's not the man and or whatever whatever transpired in the triple threat match uh with Seth Dean and uh Lashley, they went to do the the finisher for the for LOD, the what you would call it, the Doomsday Device, and I think Ambrose clotheslined Seth off uh, Bobby Lashley's uh, shoulders, but then Seth flipped, no no sold it, 
and then kick Dean Ambrose, and then, and then kick Bobby Lashley. So, again, I, I'm watching. It's regular shit to me. Okay, maybe he didn't get all of it. But on Twitter, on, on, on a timeline, it's like, hey, maybe. You know, you know how... You know, you know how the company could be petty, Graham. They they could do certain all shit. the time. Yeah, of course. So now they're saying like maybe that was like a little jab, like a little like like a little fuck you to Road Warrior Animal about talking about the the, the new class and Becky the man stuff because Seth Rollins and everybody's everybody was defending uh, Becky Lynch uh, about her comments and now they did the LOD's finishing move and they they no sold it so. You probably seen it. You you probably not go back and check it out. Go 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 see uh, on Twitter that I'm not bugging out. But people were more like, hmm, that's probably a little jab to LOD on some real petty shit. Yeah, it could have been. Um, that wasn't my immediate thought, but Me I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, my initial thought was that Rollins landed on his feet, and it wasn't that he no sold it. But he, you know what? Uh, knowing that after hearing that, and obviously. Coming off the the um, the dumpster fire that was the Becky Lynch animal exchange on social media, mm. I I wouldn't be surprised because when you really think about it, how out of place is that spot in a triple threat match? Considering that all three of these guys hate each other, and it's not like you know two of them were friends or allies. Exactly. I mean, I know Ambrose and Lashley are heels, but have you ever seen the Doomsday Device used in a three way before? Before that's, this past week, that's what I'm probably saying. Probably not. Probably not. So that's yeah, that, that that is a little weird. That is absolutely <laughs> exactly. bizarre. But um, yeah. Either way, if it's petty, whatever. Um, if not, it was still a weird spot to do, nonetheless. Exactly, and like we, you know, we live in an era now. Everything is strong style and kicks and all that. You think now in 2019, I'm gonna see the fucking doomsday device? Like, come on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why now? That's that's weird. Crazy. Um. Lashley, new IC champion. Uh, I think I think it could be a, a pretty cool run if they do it right. I think you, it opens up for new challengers. Uh, people like Elias, who who he's had a feud with. Um, even maybe a returning Kevin Owens because he's the quote unquote reason why KO was out. So I think it always opens it, it. It gets Dean Ambrose and Seth out of the IC title picture, and it gets people like maybe to me Elias and uh, whenever KO comes back. Um, that could be the rival for the IC title. That he, he was also on Twitter, put a picture up of him with the IC title belt. So that could be a sign that down the road, if Lashley is still the champion, that someone like a KO could come back and compete for the title. Yeah, definitely. It's a possible program for sure. It makes sense. Um, I don't know who else there would be because we've seen Lashley and Elias before. I want Elias to be the next Intercontinental champion, but we've seen them feud um, quite a bit in recent months. Lashley and Balor we've seen ad nauseum before, so Owens would make sense. Um, I don't know if they would go one-on-one at WrestleMania, or I had just read before we started recording here that Owens might be held off for his return until after WrestleMania, which would suck for him to miss WrestleMania this year. Um, but either way, I think Lashley versus Owens is a very logical route to take. And if not Owens... Lest we forget, the last time we saw Sami Zayn on WWE TV mm-hmm. was in a feud with Bobby Lashley. Right. Now, granted, the roles were reversed. Lashley was a uh, was the face, and, and Sami Zayn was the heel. But <clears throat> maybe Lashley's the heel this time around, and Sami Zayn's the uh, baby face, just because that's the role he works best in anyway. 
So I could see that happening. Maybe a three-way feud. Mm. Either way, Lashley has at least a few different people to work with over the next few months over that championship. Right. Um, real quick, uh, they unveiled Women's Tag Team Championship. The actual belts look pretty good. Um, that was it. So just want to ask you, what'd you make of the new uh, the new belts? I love them. They look beautiful to me. I think they look great. Um, I like the idea of determining the first ever champions at the Elimination Chamber show next month. Right. Inside the Elimination Chamber, three teams from Raw, three teams from SmackDown. I think that's a great idea. But yeah, the belts themselves, I'm big on belts and belt designs. I think those are some nice-looking titles. I thought that we would get another set of the old fucking WWE logo, uh, the WWE logo and some lazy-ass effort from the company. But mm. no, they really they really, you know, went all out in getting these belts designed. I think that might have been why it took so long for them to announce the belts or the, you know, institution of tag team titles was because the belts, they were waiting for the belts to be made. And these have been in the works now for like six or seven months. So maybe that's why it took them so long, but it was worth the wait because they look beautiful. What'd you make of the dynamic between Ronda and and Sasha Banks and uh, on Raw? It was good. Um, Nothing like amazing, like nothing jaw dropping at all, but I thought they had a good verbal exchange after the tag team went over Nia Jackson Tamina. Um it's good to see Sasha finally looking and sounding motivated again because mm-hmm. for a while she just went out there, went through the motions and that was about it. So, I mean obviously a title opportunity is, you know, bound to light a fire underneath yeah. you, but you know, her and Rousey have worked well together so far. Their match should be good. Rousey has yet to disappoint in a match. She faced fucking Nia Jax twice and Nikki Bella, and both matches were actually good. So I'd be shocked yeah. if the Sasha match yeah. what was what was bad by any means. So, yeah, yeah it was good. I thought they worked well together on Monday's Raw. Right, and, and Charlotte too, so. Well, yeah, I mean, Charlotte was, you know, that was given that the match would be great. I'm just mm. talking about workers that aren't really known for being that good. Right. Like a Nia Jax-Rousey match on paper, when they had their first match back in Money in the Bank last year, I assumed it would be shit. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it'd be terrible. They not only had a good match on that show, the rematch at TLC was also pretty good. And then her and Nikki Bella also had another good match mm-hmm. at Evolution, like way better than it had any right to be. So props to Ronda for really being one of the most consistent performers in the company right now. Uh, we saw, real quick, we saw a few of the, the call-ups that they keep promoting. Uh, we saw Nikki Cross on Raw. And also on SmackDown, we saw EC3 just staring at a at a fucking mirror like he's Lex Luger in 1993. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that's what that's all about. And we saw the tag team of the Heavy Machinery on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, the the only one that had a match was was Cross. Um, after all the vignettes, all the promos, and this person's coming up, and this is gonna debut and. The way the way they again, I don't know these people like that because I don't watch NXT all the time. But I think if you, if you're gonna debut someone, it had to it has to be in a, in a better fashion than what Heavy Machinery did during uh, the Bliss and Paul Heyman segment. EC3 just staring at himself like did that. You at home? Did, does that make you feel like it was an odd kind of placement? Like you've been hyping these people up. 
new talent, new this, new matches, new era, and you and you, you promo EC3 and these guys, and the way they just debut them on your TV screen is like, huh, that's it? That's, that's all you can do? God, this was the epitome of laziness. <laughs> Holy shit. This was so fucking lazy and so typical of WWE yeah. to be like, oh, wow, we're going to have a new era. What do we do? Call up a bunch of people from NXT at the same time that they have no plans for. I guarantee you that the idea to usher in a new era in WWE or whatever the fuck they called it a month ago and bring back the McMahons and put them in charge, blah, blah, blah. They were looking for things to change to make it seem like it really was a new era in WWE. So when in doubt, call someone up from the brand that is far superior to Raw and SmackDown, thinking that they themselves can change the show. Well, newsflash for you, doesn't matter if it's, you know, fucking Tucker Knight from the Heavy Machinery or Aleister Black, no one person is going to make Raw worth watching. The creative team and whoever's in charge, (laughs) Vince McMahon, is going to make Raw worth watching not any one nxt call up that being said the usage of these guys and girls and raw and smackdown this week was so lazy again i i can't say i'm surprised because this is far from the first time something like this has happened but triple h has gone on the record countless times in the past saying i do not want these people on the main roster unless there's a plan in place for him don't just call people up for the sake of call, for the sake of calling people up, don't call people up just because. Oh, it's you know that time of the year again. It's the night after WrestleMania. You got to call somebody up. Mm-hmm. Look at fucking Ty Dillinger. Yeah, the guy got called up because he did everything that he could in NXT, but they did have done nothing with him on, on SmackDown, and he's on the verge of quitting because there's nothing for him to do. And I'm not saying any of these people are going to quit, but like. Nikki Cross, which I thought was great, was the only real one that had any, had any spotlight or shine on them on Monday's Raw. EC3, I mean, again, his NXT run wasn't the greatest, but he's a pretty, not a big star, but he came in with a lot of fanfare. He was over an Impact for like five years. The guy really did a lot to reinvent himself. He has talent. He reminds me a lot of Bobby Roode, where his matches aren't the greatest, but he makes up for it with his character work. If they bring him up as a fucking one-note character with the whole 1% shit, and that's it, no real depth or any real like memorable feud beyond that, he will drown faster than No Way Jose. Or Oh, sorry about that. My mic muted for a second. I just got so frustrated. <laughs> really upset over but, here. <laughs> um, yeah, so these people, I think they still have promise and potential. But beyond that, though, Nikki Cross might be the only one with any real future, at least for the foreseeable future. Like, you know, Heavy Machinery were not the biggest deal in NXT. They weren't undisputed era level. But to introduce them halfway through a train wreck of a segment with Moment for Bliss or Moment of Bliss, whatever it's called, as comedic figures and making pancakes with the New Day on SmackDown, that sends the message right off the bat that we, the audience, should not take them seriously. Uh, Lacey Evans, it wasn't as bad with her. She didn't say anything, mm-hmm. but, you know, they could have done more with her. Why have them on the show if they're not going to do anything? The whole, like, oh, we're not going to assign them to one brand or the other yet because we don't know is basically what the fuck they're doing. They're like, oh, we want to introduce them to both audiences. Right. No, it's because they're so lazy and they have no plans in place for any of these people and they have no idea what to do. And this is the worst time for any of them to be called up because – 
it's WrestleMania season. Unless you're established, you're probably ending up in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. <laughs> Heavy Machinery, yep. Andre the Giant M- Memorial Battle Royal. Yep. EC3, probably Battle, Battle Royal. Royal. Lacey Evans, Women's Battle Royal. Nikki Cross, Women's Battle Royal. Lars Sullivan, maybe. He was the only one that apparently they had any real plans for in a feud with John Cena. But those might be in jeopardy because the guy had like an anxiety attack reportedly last week before yeah. Raw went on the air. So he his push might be in in limbo for the time being. But yeah, very disappointing. As a longtime NXT fan, um, I'm not seeing any of these guys or girls are gonna like you know shatter the glass ceiling and become the next God knows who. But you know they deserve a little better than like a fucking EC3 standing by the by Vince McMahon office door on Raw this week beside No Way Jose or looking at himself in the mirror on SmackDown like that does not exactly send the greatest impression like imagine if we saw John Cena doing that when he debuted 20 years ago 15 years ago he would not be nearly as big of a star today as he no. as he is had he debuted the same way that these guys and girls did this past week on TV yeah the narcissist EC3, <laughs> oh, Lex Luger. Is he going to win the Rumble with um with Daniel Bryan and have it be a draw and then fade off into irrelevancy after that? Oh, it might. Did you have a, a, a triple whatever match at WrestleMania? Winner goes on to the fight, Bret Hart and Yokozuna and stuff. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm on. <laughs> I, I, hashtag book it. Um, two more things. Um, SmackDown, I like, I like what they did with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. I know... Daniel Bryan did the whole concession thing last week. They went they went back to it with AJ and him and Daniel Bryan brawl um in that area. Again, I think anything they do outside the ring could be outside the arena, just in the crowd. Um I didn't get AJ walking down the walking down the ramp, walking around walking around the ring and then walking the fuck back upstairs. I I I didn't get all that. But um I like I like what they did. It is it's furthering enhancing their storyline and taking it, you know, outside the confines of a ring or a regular bullshit promo. Um, you know, get you know, real quick your thoughts on that. Then you can end it up with um the match that everybody keeps talking about is um Andrade and Rey Mysterio. I saw it. Um really good match. Um had the crowd involved, you know, the the, the psychology was there. Um you know, Andrade did win again. So, you know, where do we go from here? I think Andrade beat him twice. Um, but I think, you know, everybody was saying, give me Rey Mysterio, Andrade, best of seven. Give me, they can fight forever kind of stuff. I don't know about all that. But I think on SmackDown, they had a pretty good match. So, the Daniel Bryan, AJ stuff, and your thoughts on the match between Andrade and Rey Mysterio. The Bryan and AJ stuff I thought was well done. I mean, the feud's been going on now for like over two months. So they really had to do something to, spi- to kind of, you know, spice it up a bit. And I thought they did that effectively both last week with their attack on the top of the stage. And then this week, um, you know, upstairs in the concourse of the arena. I thought that was really cool. The match of the Rumble should be great. Brian looks great right now as a heel. AJ in chase mode. It feels fresh for him. Um, so, yeah, I thought their, you know, brawl on SmackDown didn't overstay its welcome. It was short, sweet. Straight to the point. That's exactly what it needed to be. So I thought that was great and a nice way to further that feud. Um, the Andrade Rey Mysterio match. I forgot to mention, Randy. It's not Andrade Sin Alamos anymore. It's I know. simply Andrade. Um, Vince I know. McMahon apparently has a 
you know, has something against people whose names start with the letter A, look no further than Adrian Neville, Alexander Rusev, Antonio Cesaro, <laughs> and now um, Andrade Sinalamas is simply Andrade for whatever dumb reason, but whatever. I think Andrade Sinalamas is way better. You know, the other guys, you know, Rusev, Neville, you know, whatever. Just Andrade, I, I'm not I'm not a fan, but at least the guy's great in-ring competitor. The guy screams star. I'm glad he's finally be given, being given a chance to shine. Um, he's been, you know, overlooked far one too many times since arriving on the main roster mm-hmm. about a year ago right after WrestleMania. Um, easily the best match I've seen him in since he came to SmackDown and easily the best Rey Mysterio match since he came back to SmackDown a few months ago. Um, they have awesome chemistry, and they were. it really felt like they were allowed to go out there and have the match they were capable of. And that, it's not often you can say that. I mean, there's a lot of times where you'll have you know two guys who are really, really good, but it feels like they're working a WWE match, like a very safe, formulaic match, despite being two of the best in the world. Ray and Andrade, rather, it felt like they let him go out there, took the chains off, and just have a fucking banger of a match. And it was great. They got a lot of time. Andrade went over, albeit not clean. But I was fine with it because it gave Andrade more heat, allowed, you know, Zelina Vega to interfere, and then protect Ray Ray in defeat. So the whole thing was great. I don't know where you go with it from here. They've had one other match mm-hmm. that Ray Mysterio won in a one-on-one match. So okay, um, it's, now, it's now tied. They could have a rubber match nice. on SmackDown next week if they wanted to. But I hope this is more of a case, you know, more than the case of, you know, well, we want to give Andrade more momentum heading into the Rumble. I hope it's more than just that because the guy should have a sustained push on SmackDown and not just for like two or three weeks because he's shown in the past two weeks that he is worth investing in. And as I said at the start of the show to go full circle here, Hmm. I hope it's not just a, a case of timing where, oh, you know, the guy said he was unhappy backstage, so let's push him for a month and allow him to get over it like i hope this is you know for, for good and this is really the beginning of something bigger for andrade sinalamos the guy is awesome he's had some great matches since coming to smackdown but he really hasn't had any real feuds he feuded with Sinkara for a few months and then rusev day for a month or two which went nowhere and he's been doing nothing ever since so again moving forward i would hope that he will be more focused on coming out of the Royal Rumble. He can have a very strong showing in the Rumble match itself. And then maybe he goes after the U.S. Championship come WrestleMania, and maybe he beats Rusev for it at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view or a Fastlane, whatever. And then him and Ray Ray have their uh, rubber match at WrestleMania. And maybe there, Ray Mysterio wins the title. Either way, I'm looking forward to more matches between these two because this was an awesome match and probably the best WWE match I've seen of 2018 or rather 2019 so far. Well, shout out to Alberto Del Rio for surviving McMahon's wrath of the letter A. I know. He could have been just been Del Rio or Alberto at one Alberto. point. I'm surprised he, he wasn't. And you know what? I, I Again, a little trend because, you know, now it's just Andrade. And before it was Elias Sampson. So his name got cut off too. Yes. So I, I, I don't forgot know. about that. Yes. I don't know. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't understand the trend going on here i don't know yeah no vince does not like last names apparently i don't know why yeah but maybe he just uh, he don't want his announcers to say like nine names for one person yeah and you know this is the thing maybe vince is like 
you know, maybe he's a Prince fan and he just likes one name names like, you know, Andrade <laughs> as opposed yeah. to Andrade San Alamos. But then again, if we go by that logic, Randy, where he doesn't want the commentators to have like a mouthful of a name, then why the fuck do they have as many nicknames as they do? The new Daniel Bryan, the real AJ Styles, you know. The almighty Bobby Lashley. Good God. If I hear fucking almighty one more time, I will <laughs> blow my brains out. Holy shit. I, I like mean, all these guys, but the buzzwords and the catchphrases, the architect, the lunatic friend, the, King the big dog. Holy shit. It's gotten yeah. really, really bad. I know they want to sell shirts. That's yeah. great. But don't have the commentators shove it down our throats. It's in, It's nauseating. It's nauseating. The Kingslayer. The, the the Scottish psychopath. Oh God, um, yeah, that's a dumb one too. <laughs> the the show off, uh, show off. You name them. Every essentially every member of the roster has a nickname. The monster among men. Oh, yeah, the glorious true. one. Like I said, the phenomenal AJ Styles. The new Daniel Bryan. You name it, they have a nickname. Yeah, but phenomenal is phenomenal is okay. The Viper is okay. Yeah, no, no, those are fine. But like the new Daniel Bryan, like yeah, really, yeah, really, on, like stop. I think that's kind of dumb. Um, the boss. Oh my god, I've heard that enough times. D- doesn't um, Finn Balor have a nickname or no? Yes, his nickname, Randy, is the ordinary man who can do who can do extraordinary things. That's his fucking <laughs> nickname. That hey, is so stupid. I'm I mean, sorry. You know, the the man who defied gravity, Neville, had a long-ass fucking nickname, Yeah, the too. man that gravity forgot, the man that created the forgot, that and then forgot. he left. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think I thought SmackDown was, 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 was uh, pretty good. Um, I mean, that's not really saying much because that thing, they still have a, lot, a long way to go, SmackDown and Raw. Um, we'll see what happens with Andrade and Rey Mysterio going forward. I know they probably, you know, rehash their rivalry at the Royal Rumble. I think the Rumble should be, um, on paper, it's bound to be uh, very good, very exciting. Um, so I know me and you would do the preview for that. Also, today we're taping this on the 17th. So by the time people hear it, um, it'll be like the 18th or 19th, whatever. Just real quick, uh, we got anniversaries for the 1997 Rumble on January 19th, uh, the 1998 Rumble on January 18th, and also, I got it, hold up, the 1991 and the 1992 Royal Rumbles were held on January 19th. so a lot of rumbles, a lot of rumble anniversaries, anniversaries are, are going to be coming our way. I know we'll talk more about um, the ones later on. I know we don't have enough time to talk about those, but obviously, many consider '92 to be the greatest rumble. The match, Ric Flair, world champion. '98 um, Stone Cold won that, so people look at that as, as, as a pretty good one. '97 Stone Cold got thrown out, then comes back in, wins the rumble, so that was very iconic well you know no point intended and um 91 91 rumble um i think uh, who fucking won that shit i think hogan won 91 that. yeah hogan won that one yeah and, he won 90 91 yeah and that's when the warrior lost the belt um to, to slaughter because of the macho king so yes um 
very very uh you know classic rumbles i know we'll get to a lot of more of those next week but graham always appreciated you can find your work on twitter at wrestle rant great work for bleacher report hopefully we'll get mark Ramondi back in the fold from mmafighting.com i think they have uh, a ufc event in brooklyn this weekend so i know he's he's you know running rampant running wild out there uh working hard so Again, Graham on Twitter, WrestleRant. You can find me at Randy J. Cruz on Twitter, SoundCloud.com slash Cruise Control Podcast. Also on iTunes. Uh, what else we got? The podcast t-shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruise Control. Graham, my man, appreciate it. Appreciate the time. As always, Randy, looking forward to breaking down the Royal Rumble next week right here on the show. Until then, my man, have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. All right, man, take it easy. All right, adios. All right.